Good to see all of you. If you've got a Bible, I want you to grab it and go to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Find Jeremiah chapter 20, and then just hold that there uh, ready for a few minutes. It feels like it's been forever since I've been here uh, in the pulpit at Mount Pleasant, even though it's only been a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago. My son Andrew finished up our message series from the book of Esther with a great, great message. And then last week, of course, we had Greg Pruitt here from Pioneer Bible Translators. And we loved hearing uh, about the passion that they have and the challenge they gave us to make sure that all people everywhere have the scriptures in their own language. Because I create and control the preaching calendar, I've known for quite a while that we had an open week here. We call these standalone weekends because next week we'll begin our annual stewardship series uh, with a message series called Money Rules. And so we're kind of in one of those in-between weeks. And I want to take advantage of that to share with you a message that maybe is a little bit more personal in nature than normal, but I also think it's something uh, that everyone will be able to understand and everyone will be able to relate to. Have you ever found yourself walking through a season of life that was marked primarily by disappointment? A season of life that was marked primarily by disappointment. I feel like that's where I have been living in my life for some time. And it's not just one area of life where disappointment has been a reality. It's in virtually every area of life. There are some really, really difficult things happening in Sandy and my family right now with our extended family members. Her mom and dad are in deteriorating health, and there's a lot of huge decisions that need to be made for them. As you know, my sister-in-law, Jolene, has been diagnosed with brain tumors and had a couple of extremely invasive surgeries to remove those things. But the honest truth is there's just not a good prognosis. There's not, apart from a supernatural act of God, a lot of hope in her circumstance. Those are just a couple of the realities of things going on in our family. But I also find myself disappointed in just the reality of the world that we live in. I'm sure you can relate to that. People in my life, at times church, and at all times, I find myself at the top of my disappointment list because I can get disappointed in myself a lot. Not long ago, that, that sense or that reality of disappointment was so strong in my mind that I thought to myself, I really need to listen to a great sermon on how to handle or how to overcome disappointment. I like to listen to preaching. I try to carve out time in my week every week to make sure that I can listen to at least one sermon. I love to listen to great preaching. And so I thought I need to listen to a sermon from someone that I have a lot of respect for on how to overcome disappointment. We all know what it's like to face disappointment. We all know uh, what it's like when the reality of our lives don't meet the expectations of our lives. And so I found a sermon on overcoming disappointment from one of my favorite preachers, Dr. David Jeremiah. You know who I'm talking about? He's a great, great preacher. He's the pastor of Shadow Mountain Community Church in the San Diego area. He's a tremendous preacher, a prolific writer, a great man of God. You can hear him every week, Monday through Friday on Moody Radio at 10 o'clock. And so I found a sermon that he had written, or preached rather, on disappointment. I got up my notepad. I made sure I had a pen in my hand. I clicked on the link to listen to the message with a lot of expectation, and here is the very first thing I heard in David Jeremiah's booming voice. He's got a great preacher's voice. He said, God takes our setbacks 
and turns them into comebacks. And then he said, God takes our disappointments and he turns them into his appointments. And then he said, God takes our misfortunes and he turns them into ministry. And I immediately clicked off the link and didn't listen to another word. <laughs> and I didn't do that because I don't believe those things are true because I absolutely do. Somebody say amen to that. Those are absolutely true. And there's not a story in the Bible that I love more than the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis from chapter 37 through chapter 50. In fact, Joseph has always been, from the time I was a little boy growing up in Sunday school, he has always been my absolute favorite Old Testament character, and he remains that way today. But to be honest, I just wasn't in the right frame of mind to listen to a message about how God takes our setbacks and turns them into comebacks. Maybe I should say <laughs> that I just wasn't ready for that in my heart. My heart wasn't in the right place to hear that. Again, not because I don't believe that it's true, because I do, but that's not what I needed to hear in the moment. So instead of listening to Dr. David Jeremiah preach what I'm sure, and I'll go back and listen to it sometime, was an incredibly, I might go back and listen to it and preach it to you sometime. <laughs> what I'm sure was a great sermon. I turned my attention to another Jeremiah, and that's the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but let's talk about him for just a moment. Jeremiah was a prophet who was so familiar with disappointment in his life that he is called the weeping prophet. He had a very specific call on his life from God. In fact, look at these words on the screen from Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through 10, and here's what we're going to do today. I want you just to keep your Bible open to Jeremiah chapter 20, but because we always make the public reading of scripture a part of our service, if you're able, I want you to go ahead and stand with me while I read these words. We're gonna stand as we hear them in reverence and respect for God's word. But this is how the book of Jeremiah begins. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go ev to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow to build and to plant. All right, there it is. You can be seated. We always ask God to bless the reading and hearing of his word. Let me tell you what those words meant to Jeremiah on a practical level, and you don't really understand them until he gets older. But they meant that God had appointed Jeremiah to proclaim the destruction of nations and the building of nations that would eventually lead to the coming of the kingdom of God. He had a huge role in God's plan for the world. And so that's what he did throughout the rule of five different wicked kings of the land of Judah, Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. And what Jeremiah is known most for is speaking for God. Maybe I should say pleading God's case with regard to the nation of Judah during the time of Jerusalem's destruction and captivity of the nation of Judah 
at the hands of the Babylonians. I don't have time to give you an Old Testament history lesson, but real quickly, I, I hope that you understand that, you know, God called Abraham to be the father of a new nation, became the, the Jewish nation, the Israelites, and, and uh, later in their life, they wanted a king, and so uh, God gave him a king named Saul. That was a failure. God gave him a king named David. He was the greatest king in the history of, of Israel. Then his son Solomon became the king, and after Solomon died, there was trouble in the kingdom, and it divided into two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. But both kingdoms rebelled against God and disobeyed God and sinned, and God judged them through through pagan nations. He judged the northern kingdom with the nation of Assyria and the southern kingdom with the nation of Babylon. And it was during that time when the, the southern kingdom of Judah was being judged by God through the people of Babylon that, that Jeremiah, this weeping prophet, cried out to them over and over again to listen to God and to obey God and to repent and to follow God. But they never did. And this is where the idea of Jeremiah as a weeping prophet really came from because he was so burdened and so concerned for his countrymen from Judah who continually rejected his message that he wrote in Jeremiah chapter 13 and verse 17 these words, but if you do not listen, I will weep in secret because of your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly overflowing with tears because of the Lord's flock because the Lord's flock rather will be taken captive, which is exactly what happened. Here's the bottom line. Jeremiah was a man who was intimately familiar with the reality of disappointment. God had set him apart for this huge assignment, and even though he was faithful to what God had called him to, to do in every single way, even though he worked hard, even though he did things the right way, he experienced disappointment over and over and over again. And here's the thing about disappointment, friends. Over the course of time, it begins to scar your heart. And it can scar your heart to the place where you can feel so angry and so frustrated and so hopeless that you have moments when you just want to quit. And I guarantee you that's how Jeremiah felt. God called him to speak a harsh message to a rebellious people, and he obeyed God's call, but it came at a cost to him. And so, I wasn't really interested in listening to David Jeremiah preach about Joseph and how God takes our setbacks and turns them into comebacks, even though I believe that's true. How he takes our disappointments and turns them into his appointments. How he takes our misfortune and turns it into ministry. I was more interested in discovering how Jeremiah dealt with disappointment. There was a time when Jeremiah delivered. This is what brings us to Jeremiah chapter 20. There was a time when Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, delivered a particularly strong message to the people of Judah. And there was a priest named Pashur who was an assistant to the high priest and a security officer for the temple that didn't like what Jeremiah had to say. And so he had him arrested and thrown into jail. Now, I don't have time to tell you all that Jeremiah said in that message, but let me just tell you how it ended because that gives you a pretty good clue of the content of the message. This is how that message ended that offended Pashur. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, listen, I'm going to bring on this city and the villages around it every disaster I pronounced against them because they were stiff-necked and would not listen to my words. That's how it ended. 
And Peshur didn't like that. He was offended by that. So he had Jeremiah arrested. And then he had him beaten. And then he had him thrown into jail where he was placed into stocks. So his body was writhing and contorted in pain. All because Jeremiah was just faithful to deliver the message that God had given him. All for just doing the will of God. That's all Jeremiah was guilty of. That's not the end of the story. Because the next day, Pashur released Jeremiah from jail. Now, you would think that Jeremiah, after what he'd been through, would just go home and lick his wounds, right? Wrong. Because when he got out of jail, let me just put it in modern language. He was ticked off. The disappointment had risen to a crest in his life where he was like, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to be silent about this for another second. And so he went right to Pashur, and this is what he said to him in Jeremiah chapter 20, beginning in the latter part of verse 3, going down through verse 6. The Lord's name for you is not Pashur, but Magor Misabib, for this is what the Lord says. I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes, you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I will hand all Judah over to the king of Babylon, who will carry them away to Babylon and or put them to the sword. I will hand over their enemies, all the wealth of this city, all its products, all its valuables, and all its treasures, all the treasures, rather, of the kings of Judah. They will take it away as plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. Don't you wish you could just talk to people like that sometime? Seriously? Her name's not Pashur anymore. It's Magor Misabib. You know what that means? That means terror on every side. This is the life that you're going to look forward to from this point on out. That would be your new name. You're going to suffer as a result of God's judgment. You're going to die. You and your entire family are going to be buried outside the land of Israel, which to a Jew was an incredible disgrace because every land, every inch of land outside the land of Israel would be unclean land for you. So you get a little bit of a picture of where my state of mind has been recently, right? And where my heart has been. And so when I was getting ready to write this message, instead of listening to David Jeremiah tell me that God takes our setbacks and turns them into comebacks, I wanted to listen to the prophet Jeremiah get all up in Pashur's grill and tell him how he really felt. (laughs) Listen to it in the message, which is not a translation of the Bible as much as it is a paraphrase. God has a new name for you, not Pashur, but danger everywhere. That's your new name. Because God says you're a danger to yourself and everyone around you. All your friends are going to get killed in battle while you stand there and watch. What's more, I'm turning all of Judah over to the king of Babylon to do whatever he likes with them, haul them off into exile, kill them at whim. Everything worth anything in this city, property and possessions, along with everything in the royal treasury, I'm handing it all over to the enemy. They'll rummage through it and take what they want back to Babylon. And you, Pashur, you and everyone in your family will be taken prisoner into exile. That's right. Exile in Babylon. You'll die and be buried there, you and all your cronies to whom you preached all your lies. (laughs) 
And on top of all that, somebody parked in my parking spot this morning. (laughs) By the way, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Just don't do it again. But don't we all have times in our lives when we just kind of feel like, you know, I've had it up to here. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the disappointment. And you want to just say exactly what you think and exactly how you feel. That's exactly what Jeremiah did. And so this, this, is, this was my state of mind. This is my state of heart. It, it carried on for a little while because a few days ago, just a few days ago, earlier this week, or last week, I guess now, uh, Sandy and I were talking and, and, she, and somebody's name came up and it was one of those names where it comes up and I just go. <sighs> and the reason why was because this is a person who I have tried multiple times. I have tried to witness to. I have tried to, to, to minister to. I've tried to counsel. I've tried to guide. And every time they shut me down by saying this, well, you know, pastor, I'm a, I'm not gonna fill in the blank. You can fill in the blank. I'm of, and they, they say a name that references their religious belief system or the denomination that they, are, they were raised in. You know, so I don't, I, listen, Pastor, you, I don't need to, I don't need to, you don't need to share anything with me about God. You don't need to talk to me about matters of faith because I'm a. And so I just, she mentioned that name. It just set my mind to spinning and all these horrible thoughts came to my mind and, and, I, and I just started, it's just blah, 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 spitting it out, you know, and saying how I felt, you know, in the privacy of the two of us. And then I said, and I should really not be telling you this. <laughs> I said, good luck dropping that line at the pearly gates. And listen, you don't have to say anything to me because I know how bad that sounds. I do. I do. I know how bad that sounds. I really do. My disappointment with people like that is, be, is that they put their eternal security, they put the most important thing in the whole world in their life in, in some religious system or some church denomination when the Bible says the only way that you can have the assurance of eternal life is having a personal, everyone say personal, personal relationship with Jesus. You're not gonna go to heaven someday because you're a member of Mount Pleasant Christian Church. I hope everyone knows that. You're not going to heaven someday unless you have surrendered your life in complete faith and trust to Jesus and you live with a personal relationship with him. So here's the question. What do you do in moments like this? How do you get out of this kind of a funk in your life? How do you move from, hey, good luck dropping a religious belief system you don't follow in any kind of a practical way at the pearly gates to God takes our setbacks and turns them into comebacks? How do you get from one to the other? Well, I think Jeremiah tells us in the latter part of Jeremiah chapter 20, in fact, he gives us four things, and I'm gonna talk to you about them real quickly. Four things, after he spoke those harsh words to Pashur, I guess I should say ma he turned his attention to God and he taught us some important lessons about how you handle disappointment in life. If you're someone who likes to take notes, then I want you to write down next to number one, this first thing. When you're disappointed, tell God how you feel. That's where it all begins. When you're disappointed, 
tell God how you feel. And I look at Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse seven, and this is what I see. Jeremiah says, oh Lord, listen, think about the honesty in these words. Jeremiah, who, listen, the weeping prophet who has been nothing but faithful to God from the beginning and yet has experienced disappointment after disappointment along the way. This is what he says. Oh Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. I don't know that you can get a whole lot more honest than that. He said he felt deceived by God. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jeremiah had felt like, he felt like rather that God had lured him into ministry, which is such a high and holy calling only in the end to make him a laughing stock to the people of Judah. But here's what I want you to take from that. The bottom line is God wants us to talk to him even when we're angry, even when we're upset, even when we're frustrated, and even when we're overwhelmed with disappointment. He wants us to tell him how he feels. Now, someone might hear me say that and say, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not tracking with you here. Isn't it wrong to be angry with God? Is it wrong to be angry with God? Here's my answer. Anger is an emotion. And here's the reality of emotions. And remember, God created all the emotions that you and I have in our lives. All the emotions that we experience are a part of the physiology of creation that came from God. Anger is an emotion, and oftentimes emotions aren't necessarily right or wrong. They just are what they are. And so when we feel overwhelmed with emotion, and we're talking in particular about the emotion of disappointment this morning, the question is, what are we going to do with those emotions? I believe the Bible tells us that we share them with God, number one, because God's big enough to handle anything that you have to say to him, and number two, God is holy enough to help you clarify how you feel. And so that's what Jeremiah did. Jesus modeled this kind of honesty for us in his life. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was hours away from the brutal execution that he was going to experience on the cross, even though he was an innocent man. And in Matthew 26, 38, he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. To God. He was speaking these words. There were, the, there were a handful of disciples there with him, but these words were heard by God. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow even to the point of death. And then a little bit later in Matthew 26, 39, he said, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be obedient to your plan in this moment. Is there another way? Let me tell you something. No good thing comes in your life or mine from choking down the way we feel. Here's number two. Number one is when you're disappointed, tell God how you feel. Number two, when you're disappointed, this is what we learn from Jeremiah. Remember your call. You might just say, remember who you are. For Jeremiah, he needed to remember that he was the man of God bearing the message of God, set apart by God from the very beginning of his life for a special purpose. We think back to what we read earlier, and we understand that because Pashur's cruel and unjustified actions toward Jeremiah that ended 
up with him suffering intensely. He, he, when he got out of jail, we saw this, he was just ready to cut loose on Pashur and pretty much anyone else who crossed his path without any real thought of God. But even though he, he did that in a sense, and he shared with him exactly what was going on in his mind, he shared them with Pashur exactly what his destiny was going to be, Jeremiah couldn't bring himself to not be faithful to God. He couldn't bring himself to not continue to be the prophet that God had called him to be, the man of God bearing the message of God. And you see that in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses eight and nine. Because Jeremiah says, whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. That's, what he's, that's, that's a good description of the words he spoke to Pashur. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. It was the word of the Lord that caused him to get thrown into being obedient to speak the word of God that caused him to be thrown into jail after being beaten and then put in these stocks where his body was writhing and contorted in pain. He says, that's my reward. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But then notice what he says next. But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. No matter how he felt, he couldn't separate himself from who he was. He couldn't separate himself from the call God had on his life. Now, obviously, Jeremiah was a prophet, and he's writing about a very specific call on his life. We saw that earlier when we read. We stood and read from Jeremiah chapter one. But that doesn't mean this doesn't have an application for all of us because if you're a follower of Christ, you have a call on your life as well. And you gotta remain faithful to that call no matter what comes your way. You gotta remain faithful to that call even in the face of of disappointment because the Bible promises us that no matter what's happening in our lives, We can trust that God is always at work in our lives, even through the disappointment. And so you have a call. You have a call to live by faith. You have a call to trust in the the constant presence of God. You have a call to live a distinct and separate life from the rest of the world. You have a call. I could spend the rest of my time just talking about the reality of that call. So whenever you're disappointed, you have to remember your call. Number three, when you're disappointed, remember that God is with you. Just a follow-up to what we just said. You skip over, I want you to skip over verse 10 and go to Jeremiah 20 and verse 11. Here's what he says, but the Lord is with me. Everyone say with me. With me, like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. And again, this has a very specific meaning for Jeremiah in the context of this passage, but there's a principle here that we're reminded of, and that's the principle that when you belong to God, he is always, everyone say always, always with you. He never leaves you and he never forsakes you. We can go through difficult days. We can go through difficult seasons in our lives, but God is always with us. And none of us go through difficult days and none of us go through difficult seasons in life because God has somehow lost track of us because that's something that never happens. 
I'm going to put a couple of verses up on the screen, and I want you to read them with me. Uh, I'm going to hear your voices. First, Psalm 139, verse 7. Let me hear your voices. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Written by David, Psalm 139 is one of his most well-known psalms. Both of those are rhetorical questions. In other words, the answer is obvious, nowhere. How about Psalm 145, verse 18? Let me hear your voices. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He's always with us. Here's number four. When you're disappointed, sing your praise to God. Skip over verse 12 and go to verse 13. Jeremiah says, sing to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. So now he's come a long way from his fiery words to Pashur. Now he's talking about singing praise to God. He's moved from the disappointment that came spilling out of him in those fiery words to Pashur, to talking about singing praise to God. Do you know what praise is? Praise is the one weapon in the Christian's arsenal against which our enemy has no defense because when we sing praise to God, what we're doing is we're acknowledging that God is in charge and because he's in charge, he can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And we have that sense of faith. I was listening to Moody Radio the other day. I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to who it was. It wasn't the main, one of the main uh, preachers that I usually listen to. It was more like an, um, an interview with somebody and who was a missionary, and they were talking about their, their time as a missionary, and, and he said this, when we were uncertain, we would pray. When we were afraid, we would cry. When we were discouraged, I'm going to substitute the word disappointed, we would sing. We would sing. Wasn't it wonderful to start off the service this morning by singing Great is thy faithfulness. Do you know what disappointment is, friends? At the end of the day, for you and me, if you are a person of faith, disappointment is the price to a meaningful life Because if you're going to live a meaningful life in a sinful, fallen, broken world, if you're going to live with the desire to make a difference, to make an impact for Christ, you're going to face disappointment in life. But we need to decide that we're going to take disappointment over any other thing the world has to offer as long as we're living for Christ. And I got this crummy little head cold going on here. But do this with me. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Father, we love you and we thank you that you love us. Help us to trust you in all things. 
In Jesus' name we pray and everyone agreed and said, amen. amen.